This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, episode 223. Hey guys, what is going on? Bruce here with you on another episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. This is episode number 223 of the show. First of all, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you joining me here every week on these podcasts. We also have a website, smartpizzamarketing.com, if you want to take a look at these videos that we do, tutorials, all the good stuff that we do over here at the blog. Uh, We try to give you all the information here on the show to help you build a better pizzeria or restaurant. You know, just because it's called the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast doesn't mean that you can't take the things we talk about or the people we talk to and use the information that you hear on these podcasts in your own business. So spread the word, subscribe. Leave me a review on iTunes if you have not yet, because these podcasts are free. They always will be, and we appreciate you doing that. One favor to ask real quick, if you have not yet, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've started to, and I wish that I did this in the beginning, but I didn't. And I, and there, I think that I'm with you and a lot of people who are listening to the podcast is because I just didn't really love video in the beginning. We started this podcast as almost four years, four years ago, or five years ago now, and we'd done, we've done 200 and... Uh, 89 or 300 episodes, including the ones we've done on our live show. And we've just recently now, I'd say in the last six months, started to record the video along with these podcast audios. So what we do now is we use Zoom, we record the video and audio, and we put that up on our YouTube channel. Sometimes we edit those videos down because there's, we want to get to the nuggets of the interview. So if you go over to our YouTube channel and you can just search Smart Pizza Marketing on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. If you've ever wanted to see these guys or hang out with us for a a half an hour and kind of see us as we're going through these interviews, go over to our YouTube channel and you can find them all there. Uh, We're going to be trying to do this. Not every single person that we have as a guest on the show is able to be on video, but the majority are. And the ones that we've recorded that are coming out in the next three months, the majority of those podcast episodes are audio like this, which you can do while you're in the restaurant or you're in the whatever you're doing uh, while doing something else. You can listen to this. But if you want to go see see us and see what these people are all about, sometimes they're in their restaurant, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. And before I get into today's episode, uh, my guest today is Derek Tung of Polly G's Logan Square in Chicago. Great episode. Started with the pizza. He actually licensed Polly G's. He's in Chicago. Polly G is in New York. He started with the pizza trailer, and then he opened up a full-blown restaurant in Chicago, licensed with the Polly G name. So we talk about how he got started, uh, why he went the path that he did by taking somebody else's concept and kind of licensing that and bringing it into Chicago, why he did that, how he started with the pizza trailer, and how he's growing his business. In his first year or two, he wasn't really doing that great, and how he turned it around to really be successful in the market that he's in now. That's today's episode. But before I get into today's episode, I have to say thank you to our sponsors for this show. Forza Forney, all all you guys have heard me talk about Forza Forney before. Great ovens, wood-fired ovens, mobile units for a restaurant or a mobile uh, pizza business that you're trying to uh, do or grow or build. Definitely check out Forza Forney. They're our preferred oven partner for this podcast. They've been sponsoring the show for a while. The reason that we teamed up with Forza Forney to sponsor this podcast is because the guys that we've had on the show that we respect, Anthony Mangieri, Frank Pinello, Anthony Falgo, all use these ovens. And if those guys are the top guys in the business who are every, who are teaching people how to make really great pizza and they're using the, these ovens, you should definitely look into it too. Whether you're looking to upgrade your oven or open your own pizzeria and get started with an oven, you definitely want to go with the guys over at Forza Forney. You can find them over at Forza Forney. Dot com, And the second one we've gone up 
uh, second sponsor for this podcast episode is Square. Square for Restaurants now has a point of sale system specifically for pizzerias. It's pretty cool. Square is built uh, to help you speed up your pizzeria restaurant operations and run faster. Built for the front of the house, back of the house, and peace of mind. For the front of the house, you can create table and floor plans, custom menus, track covers, and assign items to seats to speed up the check splitting process and we all know that's kind of hard if you have a dining restaurant where you have three people coming in and they all want to split the check they make it super easy to do that uh, for the back of the house it keeps chefs and servers in sync with coursing on tap firing auto 86ing and delivery integration with caviar coming in early 2019 that's actually coming up soon and the reports get all the in-depth sales reports you need including shift reports that tell you what's selling when is the busiest time and where you can cut costs you can find everything over at square up Com. Thank you to Square for supporting this podcast as well. All right, guys, let's get into today's episode with Derek Tung of Poly G's Logan Square. Hey, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Bruce here from the Smart Pizza Marketing Show. I'm here with Derek Tung of Poly G's Logan Square. We're going to talk pizza, talk business, how we got into it. I'm excited to share his story with you. So, Derek, thank you so much, man, for taking the time out uh, to join me on the podcast today. Hey, man, thanks for inviting me. This is quite an honor. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we had you had Polly G back on, uh, which Polly G is probably episode in the I don't know way 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 back when. Um, but Polly G's is a is a is a restaurant that you now have franchised in Chicago because Polly G's from New York, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Polly and I, uh, Polly and I met online like any good relationship nowadays. <laughs> when I was kind of seeking mentors, right? And I was I was was doing mobile pizza ovens for a little bit, probably for a summer, and I. Just thought, you know, I, I love this more than my current job. Like, I, this is the highlight of my week. And I thought, well, how do I transition this into a full-time restaurant, like a brick and mortar? So I reached out to three different mentors. And Polly was the one that really took the time to call me back, talk with me a little bit. And, may, you know, it might have been a little bit self-serving because I think he was looking to expand at that time. Um, but eventually, after we met we, down the road, he decided, hey, you know, do you want to partner up and let's open up a spot in Chicago? And we uh, went down that path, and here we are now. How did you... So when was this? What year was this at? Um, ooh, I got to go back and check. I want to say it's probably 2014 or 15. Okay, um, so, it was so, after, yeah, just. So how, how did you meet Polly online? Did you, was he through Instagram or was it through Facebook or did you just like research, you know, uh, or did you know about his restaurants? No, no, it was through Serious Eats and I had been kind of following him just because there was this thing on Serious Eats called uh, My Pie Mondays where people would post up pictures of their pizzas and things like that. And he had been on there a few times. And then at some point, they did a three-part interview for him um, where he was talking about how he got started, the trials and tribulations he went through getting open to where he is now. And then part of it, he just said, you know, if any, anyone ever wants advice, please reach out to me. I'm more than happy to talk with you and, you know, get to know you type of Right. Um, so I took him up on that offer and, you know, we, we became fast friends from there. Now, if anybody's not familiar with who Polly G actually is, he's uh, owns Polly G's and he has a slice shop in, the, in New York. But he actually started, he was like a computer guy and he built a wood fired oven in his backyard and he would just invite people over to cook for them, correct? Correct. Yep. And then uh, someone wrote up an uh, article about him and then he, a lot of, so many people were coming over, asking him questions. He decided to open up his first restaurant. Yep, absolutely. And, and I remember talking to him and he said, but this isn't going to be the whole Polly Poly G show, so we're going to get into your story in a second. But I remember him <laughs> saying to me like I'm not in the re I'm not in the restaurant business. I'm in the hospitality business or something where I just I happen to cook pizza, but I'm there to make sure people have a good time. 
Right, right. And I think that's that's kind of the methodology I like to follow too, right? You, it's a, it's about the whole experience from front to back. And um, so I was saying, you know, that we kind of follow the same mentality at our restaurant. You know, we want it to be a great experience for them, not only great food, but we want them to enjoy coming in. Um, you know, we have, we're, we're very family oriented. We're a little bit larger in Chicago just because I think places like Chicago don't, don't have that expectation of going into a really tight restaurant where you're shoulder to shoulder. So there's a lot more space in our restaurant, but we also have an open window where, you know, kids come up and put their faces against the glass all the time. They're watching my pizza guys do work. <laughs> um, we have a bunch of like little tricks that we play, you know, we'll play tic-tac-toe with them in the flower that we have on the counter or we'll do other things or do drawings. Or we have this thing called pizza Steve where we'll overstretch a dough and we'll throw it on the counter and then we'll put a face on there. It's like this big pizza bubble face thing that kids seem to love. Um, so, you know, little things to entertain them while the parents have a chance to enjoy a cocktail and some wine with their own peace of mind. How did you, so you said you started with a mobile pizza oven? I did. I did. So a lot like Polly, you know, we kind of started, we, we, I think that's part of the reason why we became fast friends. We share a little bit of the history, right? Um, I had fallen in love with Neapolitan pizza one night when my wife was moving from her job where she worked for someone else to start her own corporation and business. And, you know, it was late night, it was 10 o'clock, we were sick of moving stuff out of our office, and we went, didn't want to cook that night. So we went to check out this place in Naperville, a suburb in Chicago, that had Neapolitan pizza. And it was one of the first times that I came to really appreciate Neapolitan pizza. I just fell in love with the style, and I got obsessed with making pizza at home over and over and over again. Um, after, like, six months of that, I tried to convince her to let me build an oven in the backyard. As I said, you know, we're entertaining guests. We're doing lots of practices. This is awesome. We should step up our game. And like any supportive, you know, significant other, she was like, what are you crazy? Why would you, why would you spend money and build that? <laughs> um, so I eventually convinced her by saying, listen, I'm going to build it on the back of a trailer. We're going to bring it to farmer's markets and private events, and we're going to make some money, you know, on the weekends, a little extra side gig thing. Um, and it kind of all started from there, and the obsession just continued. Did you build it yourself? Uh, so we had, we, we built most of it ourselves, right? We designed the trailer and we had the trailer built out by SureTrack. And then the oven came in four pieces. So it was a refractory oven. It was a Le Pagnol oven, a French bread oven. And so we pieced it together and then we had to seal it off, build it up. I mean, it was just, it was masonry work is something that I've never done before. So after like a year and a half, two years of it moving around and being used, we actually had to tear it all down and rebuild it. Uh, but it was built up better for the second time around, for sure. Kind of sounds like anything that I build. <laughs> but you get better, right? It's like the Ikea stuff you do, right? It, yeah. The first time you build it, it takes forever. And then if you got to build another one, it's like half the time because you know what you got to do now. Yeah, I always say I do it right because I do it twice. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but if your wife's anything like mine, she probably was like, okay, you know what? As much as I don't really want you to build a, a mobile pizza oven in the backyard, I'm probably pretty sure I'm going to be okay with the fact that you're not going to be making a mess at my kitchen every night. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's definitely, definitely happy about that. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. So then did you start, how long were you doing the mobile trailer unit for? And like how, how many events did you do before you were like, you know what? I think I want to open up my own brick and mortar. Sure, sure. So we did a whole season, so one whole summer. So it wasn't a huge amount of events, but for probably about eight months, every Saturday, we would you know, go to a different farmer's market um, between two different spots, and we'd rotate. And then every Wednesday, we would do all the dough prep and all the ingredient prep and things like that. And then in between, whenever we could, we'd book like Friday night gigs or Sunday or 
Saturday night gig. So we did a lot of like private parties. We did a wedding rehearsal. We did, you know, just probably about 12 or 13 events that summer as well. Um, so it wasn't, you know, we'd gone through quite a few pizzas, but it wasn't a ton of experience yet, but it's, it's interesting how fast you improve just, you know, every pizza that you make, as long as you're constantly focusing and thinking about how to get better, how to get better, you know, you'll see market improvement in that first year for sure. And I'm sure the the customer response was obviously good because it made you realize that, Hey, maybe I want to start my own restaurant. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think we didn't make a ton of money. Like events like that, I feel like at most farmer's markets, you you don't go in to make a ton of money at a farmer's market. If you make some good profit, that's always great. But ultimately it was the private events, right? The private events you get to charge up for a lot more because you're bringing the whole rig to someone's house. It's it's part of a show. And then the amount of pizzas that that private event will go through is far less than what you would ever charge for it. So, you know, like anyone that does farmer's markets, some, like I said, very few people, I think make a ton of money at farmer's markets, but you know, the private events were huge, but the, the farmer's market was good for testing new pizzas, new ideas and building that customer base. Cause you know, we had people come in every week because they loved our pizzas. They wanted to try what the next pizza was for the next month that we were working on and the next week that we were working on. And you just got to know people. And it's like Polly said before, right? It's about being just hospitable and getting to know your audience and building that fan base. And I'm sure some of those people that hired you for private events later were people who have like found you at the farmer's market. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they all found us through the farmer's market really. And then at some point it becomes a little bit of word of mouth, right? You get a few of them that are word of mouth. Right. So where did you learn how to make pizza? Like the actual recipe of what you do? Like, where did you learn that? Was it just trial and error? Uh, it was a lot of trial and error. I mean, I, I kind of did a lot of research online when I first started trying to learn how to stretch pizza dough. It was just taking a look at YouTube videos everywhere. So I actually do everything backwards. Interestingly enough, like a Neapolitan slap I watched online and I started practicing in the air, eventually practice on dough. And I do it as a left-handed person would instead of as a right-handed person would because I watched it and I think I memorized it that way. Um, so, you're saying, you're saying, like, so you're saying you watched it on a video and because it was a video recording, it was like done backwards. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So everything I did was process backwards when I first started. Um, but even now I can't, I can't switch my Neapolitan slap technique to the other direction. I just, it's ingrained now. So I haven't practiced enough to go the other way. Um, <laughs> so YouTube was huge just to learn how to like stretch. So watching, you know, Tony G and watching, um, just all the other like pizza masters around the world in the U S like there's just so much information on there just technique wise to learn. And then in terms of like dough recipe, um, once I got the stretch down, okay, we started looking at dough recipes and that was really pizza making for, I mean, those, those guys, they're so generous with their knowledge. There's so much information. Um, you know, they get down to what's the difference in 1% of hydration, what's the effect and, you know, the levels of yeast, all that stuff. That's, that's where I really learned about the dough formulation. So we ended up formulating our own dough for our wood fired pizzas for that summer through that. Yeah. That was the pizza making forum, right? It's like a, basically a, a forum where people go in there and it's just a chat room kind of thing, right? Oh, for sure. But it's, I mean, I don't even know how many years pizza making forums has been around. I want to say at least 15, maybe 20 years. And all that stuff is archived. You have access to all of it. Yeah, um, that is and, a, you good, know, a lot of, that is a good resource. I actually been, I peruse through there a little bit myself. No, absolutely. I, I think just, just the discussion that happens is great. I mean, everyone, a lot of people share their recipes. They share the, like, I just went on there recently to look up more techniques about making our own mozzarella. They have some dough that you want. Um, sorry, give me one second. Yeah. I'm getting another call, which I think messed us up last time. Of course. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, there's like dough recipes on there. There's a calculator that gets you like the exact thickness of the pizza you want. So all sorts of really sciencey geeky stuff for those that want to drill down to that level. Which is a lot of, especially if you make pizza at home, like that's cool because you get to experiment on smaller scale and you don't have to throw away a whole bunch of product and it gives you the opportunity to, to try new things, which is what the being in business is about. You want to be obviously do what you do and do it really well, but you always want to be improving. Right. Absolutely. So when did you open your first brick and mortar? Um, I got the keys to it on January 9th in 2016. And then we finally got open July 9th of 2016. So it took about seven months in, which a lot of people tell me is fast. It felt like forever because I was, you know, there every day on site, tearing stuff down, building things up. Um, but yeah, so we've been open just over two and a half years now. What was it? Was it a restaurant? Uh, you know, was it a restaurant before you were in there, or was it something totally different? No, it was. It was. It was an Aztecian steakhouse, and it was uh, this guy that had kind of opened up the space. I think is uh, he was just a rich guy that was building energy companies in Central America, from what I understand. And he wanted a little spot where he could entertain his out of town guests. So he bought the spot, and he was opening like two or three days a week, like randomly whenever he wanted to. And he couldn't figure out why it wasn't surviving or doing well. I know that's shocking. Um, Aztecian steakhouse yeah. opens two days a week. I'm surprised that it didn't take off. It's like the pet project, right? I feel like everyone, you know, you and all your buddies get drunk, and you're always like, you know, it'd be really cool. We should open a bar together, and everyone thinks that that's the coolest <laughs> thing to do. Right? And then, you know, you do it, and you're like, oh, why isn't it? You know, you don't put time into it. You don't know why it's not succeeding. And or, or that was this guy's case. Yeah, or you're an attorney, and you follow Instagram. You're like, you know, what? I want to open a pizzeria. It seems like they have so much fun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's not like that. So what was your first year like opening it? Because did you ever own your own business before that? Uh, I did not. I mean, we did a mobile business, right? So we had that set up. So it was pretty small-scale stuff. Um, this this full-scale, I mean, this is full-scale. This is me with 25 employees, you know, going in every day, getting everything. You know, there's there's like responsibilities. You can't just ditch out like you can for a farmer's market. Right. Um so it's, uh, I mean, this is the full, you know, I, I left my job in healthcare to go full time with it. Um, luckily for me, you know, my wife's business at that time was already starting to do pretty well. I mean, she, I think she switched over in probably like 2012, 2013 when I started getting, and that's when I first started getting pizza obsessed. So she had built up her clientele. So she was able to support our family, um, even though I wasn't working at the time. Right. So it's, um, you know, I was in a fortunate position for sure. Now, what do you what do you think you would have done if you didn't have that? Would you have done it the same way, or would you just have hustled those farmers markets just a little bit longer to save some money to open up your first spot? Absolutely, I, I I look back and you know the original plan was always to just continue hustling the farmers markets for about three to five years, and then eventually open up a small spot after we had built up our name a little bit in right. the area and just you know, grown it out. Um, the Paula G opportunity was something that you know my wife and I talked about, and we we're like, well, someone's gonna jump on this for sure. And we get along pretty well with Polly. And the ultimate question for us was like, you know, five years down the road, if we look back, are we going to kick ourselves for not being the ones to open up apologies and working with him? Um, and we decided yes. So, you know, we wanted to give it a try and see what happened. Did, was he a well-known uh, in the community in Chicago? Cause I know he's from New York, but did people know who he was in Chicago when you opened? You know, I, th I think that's a questionable thing. Um, when we opened up, I'd say, you know, one of my main goals is always to talk to every guest that comes through. So about 33% of the guests that came in were either had heard of Poly G's, was a Brooklyn transplant, or had a friend that had gone to Poly G's in some aspect or another. So, you know, it wasn't 
huge, but he definitely had some impact. I think at that point, Paulie G's, you know, had a pretty good name in the pizza community, had a pretty good name in the foodie community as one of the best pizzerias around. Um, so people knew of it, right? And I mean, that's why that even helped us from just a publicity standpoint. Like Chicago Tribune got excited about it. Um, the local papers, you know, Eater was able to put out something on us. And I always think, you know, if I if I had opened up my own spot, I wouldn't have gotten nearly the coverage that I uh, that I got opening up a Poly G's. Um, but at the same time, I probably wouldn't have tried to open up like a 120 seat spot either. Right. You know, it's, it's the good, you gotta take the good with the bad. Exactly. Exactly. Now, do you guys follow the same recipe or can you kind of do your own thing? So we follow the same recipe for the wood fired pizzas. And then the deal with Paulie is about 50% of the menu needs to reflect what he's doing at his original Greenpoint flagship location. Yep. And I mean, he's got some great pizzas already, right? He's got the Hellboy that everyone loves. He's got the green pointer that everyone loves. So we like to play Paulie's greatest hits because people want those. Those are already well-designed pizzas, well thought out that people have fallen in love with. And then the rest of the 50% on the menu, we have leeway to do whatever we want, which is why we, you know, I started making a Detroit inspired pizza, which is why I started playing with like bacon jam and I've got kimchi on a pizza and I've got like Chinese sausage on some pizzas. So stuff that reflects some of my heritage and some of the stuff that I've tried just around the U.S. and the world that I really love that I wanted to bring back in. Now, do you have wait, a wait staff or is it just take out and, uh, or just grab and go? No, we're full service. Um, we have about 20 bar seats and then we have about 80 seats on the floor. And then we've got some additional like standing room high bar seats in the area. So we have a wait staff. Um, every, on our busiest nights, we run with three wait staff two hosts and a busser for the farmhouse and then two bartenders. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it keeps us on our toes for sure. What's the biggest, so what's the biggest surprise, like since you've opened your brick and mortar that you, maybe something that has happened or you're experiencing that you weren't ready for. <laughs> Good or bad. Good or bad. Um, yeah. Share, share whatever you're comfortable sharing. Uh, I, you know, I'd say the first six months were pretty stressful and pretty terrible. It was my first time running a restaurant I didn't know what the staffing levels needed to be. I, I came in pretty green. I was one of these guys that I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my staff. So, you know, even if it's slow, I'm not going to cut anyone because if they're scheduled for a shift, I want to give them their full shift because that's their pay. I don't want to mess with their pay. Right. And so for the first six months, you know, I didn't cut people. I didn't let people go. We, we overstocked because we thought we'd be busier. We had too many supplies. We had too many food stuff. So we ended up tossing stuff away. Um, we were inefficient. And for the first six months, I bled money and it was, it was tough. Um, I actually had to re-up my ante six months in and sell some more, sell some of my own ownership in order to keep the restaurant afloat, um, raise some money for my investors. And so after that, we made some significant changes. I, um, I, I pulled back a little bit on some of the hard, fast rules that I had. One of the, one of the things that we did not allow at all was takeout or delivery at first. Because, you know, we were focused on wood-fired pizzas. Right. And, you know, Neapolitan-style wood-fired pizzas just don't travel well. Yeah, you know, they tough. go into a box in the side. That's, that's, right? that's and, super tough, right? Because you want, like, and I, there's a place that opened up near me that is Neapolitan. And they only have, like, three tables. And mm -hmm. as much as I want to go in there and they have good pizza, it's hard to get in there. It, but you can't, Neapolitan yeah. pizza doesn't, ta it tastes good like the taste is fine but it's just not the same experience eating it a half an hour later after you drive home oh for sure i mean even like even when it hits the table right it hits the table you start eating that first slice by the time you get to the last slice 
it's already a little bit soggier. It's not as light and crisp as it was before. Like things have settled in. Right. So, you know, for the first six months, I did not allow any carryout or delivery unless you came in and you had one of our carryout cards. So we had designed a system where it said, basically, if a guest had come in twice and our service staff or myself recognized them, we would offer them this little card and it had our logo on it and it was numbered. And basically they could show it at the bar and say, oh, I've been in twice already. I'd like some takeout. And so then they know what the quality, the level of quality is. Well, we got blasted for that by a lot of people. I mean, we got blasted on Yelp. We got blasted by, over the phone. They're like, what kind of pizza joint are you that you don't allow takeout or delivery? Um, so, you know, six months in, I had kind of a come to Jesus moment where I was just like, well, if we continue down the same path, things aren't going to go well. So I ended up doing a third-party delivery system called Caviar and one called DoorDash. We ended up utilizing both for a year before I kind of pitted them against each other and solidified them to one. Um, and that, that helps. It helps spread the word. Um, it helps build our revenue. I'd say right now we're sitting at about 11 to 12% of our monthly gross revenue comes from delivery. Um, so it's, you know, it helped kind of balance out what we needed. Um, at the same time, like you said, you got to take the good with the bad, right? I still get at least one to two calls a week from a first time customer who got delivery. That's telling me, Oh, my pizza's cold. My pizza's not cooked properly, blah, 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 blah. So it's, it's part of the trade-off, I guess. I think um, that's brilliant, though, that one one or two times, because then you know the customer knows what it's supposed to taste like. So if they get a pizza delivered and they know that it tastes differently in-house, they're not going to like think bad of you. They're going to be like, you know what? Obviously, it tastes a little bit different. You know who else does that? Uh, are you familiar that- with Allie Hader from 900 Degrees in California? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. So he does that. He doesn't give him a card. If you've never ordered from him before, he does not allow you to take it out. You have to come in and eat it. Right, right. And he has the same. I mean, he's a he's a tiny spot too. He only has two or three tables inside as well. Oh, I haven't been to his spot yet. Yes, uh, we've we've competed together. We've hung out in Vegas together. I need to go check out his spot for sure. I, actually, we're going to Italy together in March to compete in Parma. So I'll be uh, excited to get back together with him. Yeah, he's great. But he like very. I I visited him when we were out in uh, Los Angeles and. Uh, his place is small, but he explains to the customers like why he does that, and he wants you to do experience the pizza the way it's supposed to be experienced. But then after you become a customer and you try it out inside, then you can get takeout. Exactly what you did. Okay, which yeah. is surprising because yeah. he has like nine thousand good reviews on Yelp. Oh my god, he's got ridiculous amounts, and they're all five stars. I don't know how he does it. It's impressive. I know they just think he's he's a salesman, right? I guess the people in Chicago oh, are just yeah, like, the cold weather gets him. That uh, that cold weather in Chicago gets to people, maybe. <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> but so, ever since you've done that, things have started to turn around for you. Yeah, ever since we allowed uh, delivery and takeout, I mean, combined with that, and just combined with more guests coming in, our name just becoming a little bit more known. I think we started hitting more radars, making some of the lists. Um, you know, we've been fortunate that people have loved what we do and love the experience and love the pizzas that we make. So, bit by bit, I think we're just kind of carving our own path in Chicago, which is great. It takes a while too, right? Like you're not going to open up and be super busy. You may be super busy right after the bat, but sometimes you mess it up when that happens. So gradual sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I was pretty super green. When I did my projections for my investors, I had thought we were going to be pretty busy from the start and we would just grow in small proportions as you know each month passed. And it was it was nowhere near where I thought we were going to be. Um, interestingly enough though, you know, there's, there's a guy out in Chicago named Josh Culp and Christine, they both own honey butter chicken, honey butter fried chicken, really great fried chicken. 
And he came up to me the other day. He's like, you know, you, you seem to be the rare case. Like most people either start out with a bang and continue to do great and just grow. Or most people like that don't do well from the beginning tend to fail and have to shut down. So we're going to have coffee sometime. He wants to pick my brain about it. And I'm, I really don't know what to tell him. I just, I feel like it's been natural growth for us. Um, but, you know, his impression as a chef and restaurateur is kind of against what you and I are just talking about, right? Like I, I feel like it's been, it's just taken time to grow and time for us to develop where we need to develop. Um, whereas he, he's just like, wow, I'm surprised that you guys were able to grow out of the, the troubles that you had the first six months. I wonder if you open now in 2019, if you would have that same uh, beginning experience as you did 2016. Because I feel like the perception of Neapolitan pizza and the style of pizza that you're cooking was early then, even though it's been around for a you while. Huh. For the general public, you know, there's more and more Neapolitan pizzerias popping up now. And I think three years ago, people kind of knew what it yeah. was, but weren't really sure what it was. Now they know what it is. There's an area in Chicago called Restaurant Row in Randolph. And they literally have, I don't know, I got, I got, there's at least like eight or nine places just within a couple block radius that offer wood fired pizza in some fashion or another. Really? Uh, yeah. And it, my mind that there's that much wood fire pizza. So, you know, Chicago's had Neapolitan style. We're more Neapolitan inspired. We're not a true Neapolitan, but they've had the wood fired pizza scene for a while. If anything, I feel like wood fired pizza is probably on the down curve now. I feel like, you know, Roman style, like Banchi yeah. or uh, Detroit style, those, I feel like Detroit and Roman style are the ones that are the hot things now that are starting to grow. Um, and, I, and I think it's, it's going to be like any other trend, right? At some point, like, the good quality ones are going to be able to stick around, and the poor quality ones are going to fade out. Um, but we'll see what happens. I think maybe that's for us pizza nerds. The general public, I don't know if they know what uh, Roman-style pizza is yet. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, I, I think it's it's kind of just starting to spread. Yeah, for sure. And I think, listen, the more pizzerias there are serving good pizza, the better. Because I love pizza, and I oh. think it's a great food. And I, I think that there is so many different styles of pizza out there that – there's mm -hmm. room for everybody to open the pizzeria that they really want rather than having to open a pizzeria like with subs and salads and fried food and pizza, just like everybody else does just to compete. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think, I think there's so much market for pizza, right? It's such, it's such a craveable food and it's, it's a food that everyone wants all the time. And you know, I, you should view pizza folks as colleagues and not competitors. And it's, it's nice to get to know other pizzerias. Like I honestly, I eat more of other people's pizzas than I do mine typically now, just because I want to be inspired. I want to try other things. I want to try different styles. Right. And I, whatever I can learn from that and I can bring back my line or our recipes is great. But overall, it's just, it's, it's just enjoyable. The huge landscape, especially in Chicago, there's a huge landscape of different styles of pizza. I have two more questions for you. One is where's your, what's your favorite pizza? Like what's, is it Neapolitan style or where would you go if you could eat one pizza? Ooh, um, that's tough. I feel like it changes every single day, depending on what I'm craving. Yeah. Um, right now. I will so today. You know, right now, right now today, I'm kind of craving like a Chicago tavern thin crust, like something really thin, almost, almost like a, uh, like a Wisconsin, Milwaukee kind of thin crust. Like it was, a um, like cracker thin. Like yeah. I want it to like break in my mouth and crack, <laughs> um, you know, and like good sausage. It's like, the way with the with the wood fired pizzas that we do because they cook so fast we can't put on the sausage raw whereas in Chicago and some you know a lot of other places where you're doing like a 12 to 18 minute cook you can put on the raw sausage in small dots 
and all that like fat and juice builds into the sauce and the sausage roasts up real nicely. I, that's kind of what I'm craving right now. A good sausage and mushroom pizza. That sounds really good. We'll have to do it when you're in town sometime. Yeah, man, for sure. And then my next question is for marketing, what are you doing to get the word out now? Are you using primarily Instagram? Yeah. Instagram is my main go-to. Um, Instagram has that crossover with Facebook and Twitter. So I pulled that over just as a afterthought and I don't really connect the two too much. But, you know, we're, we're doing Instagram. Instagram, I, I do my best to put out at least one to three Instagram posts a day. I'm starting to learn how to use stories better. So I'm using stories for stuff that's not necessarily off-brand or more researchy or stuff that we're playing with or to give people like a shot or idea of what's going on in our lives at the restaurant or at my house when I'm thinking about the restaurant. Yep. Um, but Instagram is my primary push. And, I you know, part of that may come from Paulie. I know he's a big Instagram guy. Um, but it's just... It's it's the easy way to kind of handle things, and it's a, it's a good connection with everyone out there. And like, um, but the, you know, the restaurant space, it's so Instagram is so great for restaurants because it's visual, right? And what we do is very visual. Oh, yeah, the food we put out, the restaurant space itself, the warmth that you know the ovens give off, all that stuff is if you can capture that somehow visually. I think it's key. That's awesome. So if you could give someone a piece of advice who wants to open a restaurant, a pizzeria, or is opening one now, or maybe they're in it and they're trying to, they're struggling a little bit. What, what's one piece of advice you could give someone out there? You know, I think the key is engaging your guests. And it's, it's always been that from the beginning, right? If you're, if you're in the business just to make pizza and make money, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be tough and you, you might succeed, but it's not going to be enjoyable because you're, you know, no one goes into the pizza business expecting to be billionaires. You got to do it because you love it in the first place. But part of that love is getting to know your guests. And for me, the biggest compliment ever is when a guest decides to come back and then they bring a friend or they bring their family. And, you know, for you to know that guest by face, not even necessarily by name, but by face and to be able to go up and say, Hey, welcome back. How are things going? How's your meal tonight? Oh, look, you brought a friend. Oh, thanks for spreading the word. Stuff like that is how, how we've grown. And that's how I, I mean, that's how I understand growth of business, right? Because these people come by and their parents are in town for Thanksgiving. They bring the whole family in suddenly for a meal. Or, you know, their best friends visiting from Atlanta and they want to show them what they think is the best pizza in Chicago, whatever that is. Um, so I think really just engage your guests, like do your best to be, you know, out there talking to everybody that comes through and getting their experience and taking it to heart. Yeah, I love that because your Instagram profile or your Facebook ad or whatever you do marketing wise gets them in the door. But your hospitality when they get in the door is what makes them come back. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think that's got to be the way to grow your business honestly i agree so much all right so that's awesome i derek i appreciate you joining me on the show today uh paulie paulie forward slash logan dash square is the website you can check them out and then on instagram you are paulie g's logan square uh and you got some cool photos of your pizza you do a good job on there man thank you man i appreciate it that's, that's a good compliment and paulie g is p-a-u-l-i-e-g-e-e S, Logan That's Square, it. in case you're looking. It's not just the G, it's the G-E-E. There you go. All right, Derek, man, anything else we can say before you wrap it up? Or I appreciate you coming on, man. That's awesome. No, this has been great. I'm. Uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, man, check out Pauly G's Logan Square. Check him out on Instagram. Go say hello, shoot him a message, tell him you heard him on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. And if you're in Chicago, definitely stop by. Thanks, Derek. Thank you much. Thanks, Bruce. All right, well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the show. Thank you to Derek for joining me. Thank you for all that great information. Thank you guys so much for your attention. If you need some help, 
and you want to grow your business like Derek's doing over there. He's doing a great job on social media. If you're trying to figure out social media and how to get attention for your business, listen, it's all about attention. What we do in our business is fantastic, right? We make it the best pizza. We try to build our team up, but you have to get attention. You can have the best pizza in the world, but if nobody knows who you are or what you do or why you're different, no one's going to come into your establishment. Yes, marketing is great. You have to start with a great product. I believe that very much so. You have to have a great product before you build it. So now you have a great product. Now you need to get people in the door because if you don't get people in the door, the door is not going to be open for very long. We can help you do that. If you're looking for some help from us or you're looking to figure out how to exactly get started or come up with a plan for your marketing online. And not, listen, I love uh, MailShark is a sponsor of the show. I definitely think there's a place for direct mail, but I really think that you're focusing uh, the majority of your money, more than 50% of your money should be spent digitally. Coming up with your digital footprint. What does your social media look like? What does your Google My Business page look like? What do your reviews look like? What does your Instagram account look like? And how do you come up with a strategy that's effective cost-wise and time-wise and actually gets people to notice you and come into your restaurant. We can help you do that, whether that's through consulting or our agency. We can definitely help you figure that out. Go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip and you can give up, give us your information and we'll have someone contact you and see if your zip code is available for us to possibly help you in your business. Now, I love this podcast. I love talking to these guys and meeting up with them at the Pizza Expo or these networking events that we go to and speaking at uh, these restaurant associations across the country. So I, I just want to say thank you guys so much for tuning in. It's been a great ride. The podcast will continue. I love doing these episodes. Uh, recently, uh, I put up a YouTube video out about, the. I think the title I wrote was, I Hate Marketers. And the reason I hate marketers is because I hate, I was a restaurant owner myself for 25 years. I was in the pizza business, uh, working with my brother-in-law as my partner. And he was actually my mentor, taught me everything that I know about running a restaurant and building a team and doing marketing and all that. And we did that in the nineties and two thousands into recently about four or five years ago, I was still involved with that business. And the reason that I hate marketers is because I know what it is like to be the person in the kitchen who's trying to build a team and build a successful business. And you have all of these people and spammers and phone calls coming into you, trying to sell you stuff, telling you that it's going to be the next shiny object that's going to help you grow your business. It's going to help you get 482 leads into your business, or it's going to help you grow your team or whatever it is. Listen, I can tell you one thing after talking to 500 people between it's probably more like seven or 800 people between the people who have emailed me that we've had call, phone calls with and the people we've had on the show there is no secret weapon it's called hard work it's called consistency and doing those two things over time yes you can have new tools and tactics that are going to help you that are going to assist you in doing those things but it's really the hard work the dedication and the consistency over time that's going to make anything work and grow so whatever it is you're doing you got to make sure that you're consistent with it and use the tools and the tactics that we talk about on the show, perfect your product, try to get better every single day, and don't listen to the people who say to you, hey, you can get 4,000 leads in the next 30 days if you use my system because it's complete bullshit, okay? There is no system. There is no system that's going to get you 4,000 leads in the next 30 days or grow your business, double your business in the next three months. It just doesn't exist. Anybody who tries to tell you that it does is full of shit. All right, that's it. That's my little rant for this podcast. Go watch the YouTube video. There's a whole eight-minute rant over there I did about, oh, I hate marketers. And I kind of pointed a couple out. So maybe you're going to know who they are to watch out for. But anyway, 
Thank you guys so much for tuning into this podcast episode. I appreciate you. If you have a question, you can email me, Bruce, at smartpizzamarketing.com. You can also reach out to me on Instagram. We don't spam you. We're not going to ever promote. Listen, we promote our services a little bit here on the podcast, but we're, not, we're always going to give out free content and try to be a resource for you to learn whether you hire us or not. It's always going to stay that way. So reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at Smart Pizza Marketing. And on Facebook as well, you can shoot us a message there. But I think the best places for now are on Instagram and through email. And if you have a question, don't hesitate to reach out and ask us if you have a question that you want us to answer on a future Q&A show, which I'm working on. Or if you have a topic or a guest that you'd like to hear, reach out to us. Let us know who it is, and we will do our best to try to get them on and share some information. And on that note, guys, see you later. Have a great week, and we'll see you on the next one.